1: Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi. And Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, in just a second, we're going to move over to my friend Andy Gibson, who's the Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner. Uh, but before I do that, I wanted to share uh, a really, uh, really, I think, powerful quote with you. And uh, kind of, you know, it, it's Again, I always talk about themes of Kosciusko, but volunteerism—you know, working in the community, you know, being one of the thousand points of light—is really important. And here's a quote from Bobby Kennedy that I think is really powerful and it's so fitting. And we know it well here in Coastal Mississippi. But here's what he said: Few will have the greatness to bend history itself, but each of us can work to change a small portion of events, and in the total of all those acts. We will be writ will be written the history of this generation. So you know, you know, I, I think that's important, and-, and it really comes back to just do your part. Um, I love this one from Ella Fitzgerald. It actually came across this this morning. I haven't heard that name, Ella Fitzgerald, in a long time. Um, for for the younger people listening to the show, I'll rem- I'll I'll tell you why. For us millennials, it's 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 a name we know. Uh, but here's what she said. Where there is love and inspiration, I don't think you can go wrong. Where there's love and inspiration, I don't think you can go wrong. She's actually the queen, queen of jazz. But how my generation really knows her is that you know she had this popular slogan back in the early 1980s for Memorex. And it said, is it real or is it Memorex? And she'd sing and she'd try to She would try to bust the glass, and of course the glass would break, and they would ask the question, is it real or is it Memorex? By the way, in more recent times, the Mythbusters went back and they tried to figure out, can Ella Fitzgerald with her tone actually break glass? And they worked so many different angles on on her voice and her tone, and they couldn't make it happen. But, boy, what a great great, um, commercial that was, and it made Ella Fitzgerald really... Uh, a household name. So Baby Boomers, uh, that's your little education on the Queen of Jazz this morning and how most of us know her. Now let's switch over to my friend Andy Gibson. Andy, it's great to see you back on Coast It's been a while, my friend. Great
2: Great to be be back, back, Ricky. Ricky, Thank Thank you you for having me and uh, appreciate all you do and hello to everybody on the beautiful Mississippi Gulf Coast.
1: We're good. And by the way, this is also airing on Super Talk TV across the state of Mississippi, and it's in, uh, of course, it's Super Talk Facebook page, Super Talk uh, Spotify. You, I mean, you can get it any way you want to. Of course, Facebook is is a great big share. But you know, I, I, I'm fascinated by you, and you and I have sh- we have visited before. But being a farmer and uh, a lawyer and a minister and a farmer state representative you're you're kind of well positioned in this moment to understand the complexities of the economic situation that we're in, that we're in and frankly it you you got to you got to be smart about it you, there's a lot of global stuff you got to know and uh, and frankly sometimes it gets so complex it's best to just sit down for a few minutes in quiet moment and pray about it <laughs> but Amen. you know when you add it all together you're you're well positioned to be in the role that you're in these days aren't you
2: Well, yeah, I I certainly Mm -hmm. hope so. You know, this is uh, an issue. We've been involved. I've been involved in international trade here through the Department of Agriculture for a number of years. And uh, it was in those uh, meetings that you travel the world. You see how we do export so much great food and fiber and shelter to the rest of the world. But we also depend on other parts of the world for things that we in America need. And you see that playing out now with the Ukraine-Russia war that's happening. And uh, that's another subject, I guess, how that started, and it's a shame it's continuing the way it is. But it's having not only short-term, but I think long-term impacts on. I know it's having impacts on our agriculture, on our commerce, on uh, diesel exhaust fluid. For example, something is something that you just take for granted, uh, the, the 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 core of commerce in this country, diesel trucks rolling down the road, and uh, we're going to have to be very smart about this as we navigate the the days ahead, not only with inflation, but with supply chain uh, challenges and workforce challenges to boot.
1: Well, you look at uh, you know th- your point about uh, diesel engines and you know requirements they have and raw materials that come from all over the world. It's interesting that during the pandemic we got we got a really significant education on the supply chain. But one one of the I think one of the leading sort of headlines to that was the chip issue. You know, and what's happening to them to uh, American auto manufacturers today and the shortage of chips that still continue to haunt them. Um, I think we all and then of course you think about farmers and fertilizer and what and these raw materials and the diesel point you just made, these raw materials coming from Russia, I think we're all beginning to get a sense of what a worldwide economy looks like, and there's almost no way to fix that. I mean, we can certainly produce as much as we can ourselves, but we live in a dynamic moment, don't we? And the the pandemic, I would say the pandemic really exacerbated everything and then, of course, you you lay in the war on Ukraine on top of it, and then, frankly, this is not a political show, but I do discuss policies from time to time. When you think of what the Biden administration has done around trying to push an electric vehicle strategy when there's all these other variables that we still are trying to understand because of the pandemic and because of the russian oil boy it's complex
2: it's extremely complex i'll tell you a real life story on november the 9th 2021 i ordered i custom built and ordered a pickup truck uh it's a forward pickup truck i I had a chevrolet but uh I still have another Chevrolet, by the way, for all our Chevy fans out there. But I ordered this pickup truck November 9th. It took until May, I think, the 15th for it to have all the necessary parts to be built. And it's taking it till today's June, uh, uh, whenever the June or whatever day in June it is. And it's just now gotten shipped. So you're looking at seven months out. Now, that's a real life story from purchase a truck order to truck arrival, and it still hasn't made it to the dealership. They waiting on somebody hey, to drive a truck to get it here, right?
1: Andy, so. listen, my, my wife and I ordered an expedition for my wife back in October. Wow. And we just got an email yesterday saying that its um, it's been built, and now it's in um, an inspection mode. I don't know what that means. maybe during the inspection mode is where they discover it's missing some chips. I don't know what the, what that's going to be, but you know it, and then by the way, we read this morning where some auto manufacturers are cutting back capacity as we speak. Yeah. So
2: that's, what, um, that's the uh, word I'm getting is they're, they, they're selling every vehicle they're making, but it's taken so long to get them produced. We've never seen that in America before. And it's a direct result. I know you're not. We're not getting into politics, but I, it is a direct result of policies that are in place at the federal government. You know all these restrictions on manufacturing, the diesel exhaust fluid restriction that the EPA imposed. Uh, we can't even crank a diesel engine without putting this special fluid in it now. All of that's a result of overregulation by the federal government, and all our folks in Congress seem to be want to do is televised a conspiracy theory right now. So I, it's really problematic and it's getting very real for our farmers. Uh, and farmers are not going to stop. Farmers are resilient people. We're not going to quit producing. But the cost of that production are going up and up and up. I just saw a 10 10%, percent, a 10.8 percent production cost increase in the producer price index that uh, is in, in place From a year ago just so producing materials from farm goods to energy all of that is going up and all of that's going to feed into the cost at the retail side for consumers so we there's no time to waste to roll back some of these policies that are causing these problems we need more energy wherever we can get it here locally domestically we need more uh, freedom for manufacturers uh, so that's that's a long-term solution, but we got a lot of short short-term crises blooming right now.
1: Well, I mentioned to you before we started the show that I've had the opportunity to visit a couple of times, and in fact, exchange some notes with him this morning. But Austin Golden, who Golding, who is um, uh, president and CEO of Golding Barge Company, and they they manufacture, excuse me, they they barge wow. Uh, through inland waterways of U- US petroleum products. And one of the points that he made no new capacity in refinery has happened. And during the pandemic, some refinery capacity was taken offline. Um, we haven't built new capacity in decades <laughs> and here's the issue people tend to think of refineries as just as just diesel and gasoline but they don't they don't really once you understand the process there are a lot of critical components that come out of the refinery process that go to making plastics and other really critical things so we're not in a position where we can uh, we can just you know turn the switch and go to electric vehicles and it also is pretty convinced that that's what's happening I'll, I'll mention this to you as well well that one of the one of the points that he makes is that when you've got a gun to the industry's head and then you take the gun away and say we have a problem, we need you to increase capacity, but as soon as they solve the problem that they needed to take the gun away then they put the gun back again and they say okay you know the restrictions are coming back to you again we got to get cool we got to we got to have a smoother transition nobody doubts that renewable energies are part of our part but petroleum always going to have a key role we've got to find that right mix when you try to turn on the dime in the wake of the pandemic with ukrainian war and all that you're introducing too many variables and it really upset the apple cart in a very very significant way when we come back we can continue our conversation with andy gibson
0: listen live or on demand and watch episodes of coast view on your laptop desktop or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com his love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast one hundred three point one.
1: Welcome back to Coast View. I have Andy Gibson, the Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner, and uh, you know, what, Andy I had the opportunity to have lunch yesterday with Lieutenant Governor uh, Delbert Hoseman, and uh, it was great just to sit down and visit. And um, you know, he asked me about the show and how it's going. The truth is, I came out of retirement to do this show, and I'm still retired. I, I'll finish this show and walk out and v- enjoy the rest of the day with my grandkids, but it's been fun for me to reconnect and to maybe make a contribution. Frankly, I've often said about Coast View that if I don't believe that I'm making a contribution of some sort to educate people and contribute to the conversation, then I'll just go back to full-time retirement and do my thing, but the point I made to him was that I've had over 600 conversations Kyle and I have, and the accumulation of those those conversations with so many people across so many segments of the economy and society um, makes it easier to have the conversations. It's again coming back to the conversation that we were having before we went to break and what Austin Golding has contributed to the conversation. He said that at one point you got a you had a situation where it was drill baby drill. Well, we can drill all we want, but if we don't have the refinery capacity to deal with it, uh, we're going we're going to be in trouble. And uh, you you didn't you go to Alaska recently?
2: Yeah, I, I did. I took my uh, we took our oldest son Joseph on his senior trip. He's always wanted to go to Alaska. He actually applied to a school up there. Uh, he's he's going to school in Mississippi, but he's he wants to visit Alaska. So we uh, we went and uh, had a, a great time. Traveled about two thousand miles. And I saw the Alaska pipeline, you know, constantly pumping just uh, thousands, hundreds of thousands of gallons of oil, American oil. And yet the average price that we paid for gasoline, not diesel, but gasoline was five and a half dollars, five dollars and 40 something cents. Every time we filled up the motor home that we rented up there. Uh, that goes to your point. We've got all these these reserves, but we don't. If the industry is not comfortable enough to say let's let's expand refineries, expand capacity, it's not going to do us a whole lot of good. And that's where it gets back to getting the federal government off of the neck of these industries so they actually have the ability to make business decisions that make sense and help lower the price of fuel to run our economy, to run our uh, businesses, and for farmers to run their tractors to grow our food and fiber
1: and shelter. I mean, it's incredibly important, Andy. Again, if the news, I don't think just about every day you can hear some news of a company that's chosen to move from California to Texas, or one that moves from Illinois to somewhere in the South where they have more, you know, pro-business policies in place that enable them to kind of do business and. Um, same thing for you know one country to the next we've got to figure out to the extent that we can serve ourselves you know whether it be chip making or whether it be raw materials that go into fertilizer, whatever it might be we've got we've got to be more aware of of what it takes to support America and to keep our economy. You know, humming. There's always going to be a global world. There's nothing, it helps to, our economy to sell to other, other countries. We get that. But, um, but boy, has this moment revealed some some uh, cracks in our foundation, hasn't it?
2: No doubt about it. You know, uh, I started hearing about fertilizer problems back in the winter. Uh, south of Interstate 20s, you know, I'm a cattleman, our cattlemen across the, the Southeast plant winter ryegrass, and uh, we do that for grazing purposes, and yet the cost of nitrogen and urea went through the roof so much a lot of cattlemen could not afford to fertilize that ryegrass this winter, and so they just had to deal with what they had and hope they had enough forage for the cattle for the for the winter. Now that's translating into the row crops in the Delta, uh, other crops across the state, sweet potatoes, uh, it's, it's everywhere, and so much of that's driven by uh, the Ukraine conflict, the war, uh, urea shortages, um, uh, fertilizer has gone up 179%, 179% in a year from what it was in 2021. That is unsustainable. That, that is going to the cost of everything that's being produced from beef, and pork, to soybeans, cotton, corn, everything. That is so important to our economy as a state. It's the number one industry in Mississippi. And just fertilizers going up 179%, not to mention diesel prices going from $2.30 something cents on average for off-road diesel to $5.21 on average right now. And you translate that to a farmer who's got a 10,000-gallon farm diesel tank to fill up. It used to cost $23,000 to fill it up. Now it's 52000 that's real money, and it's, it's having a huge impact on farmers, not only on their input costs, but on their, uh, their outlook. And uh, how, how is this going to pan out? Are they going to have enough fuel? Are they going to have enough ability to transport those crops out of the field this harvest season to where they need to go? Uh, huge, huge economic driver there, and all of that's coming to the grocery store, ultimately.
1: It's it's really incredible as you as you know I've leased three separate farms up in the Mississippi Delta for hunting and just overall outdoor enjoyment and uh, worked very closely with my farmers uh, Chris Killebrew, uh the Dunn family and I've watched I've watched it through their eyes um, now in some cases maybe they got diesel fuel at the right price when they filled up their tank and th- those who did it early on lucked out a little bit but you think about the price of seeds. The price of fertilizer. We'll come back to fertilizer because I want for people who may not appreciate this discussion around fertilizer. We'll t- explain why that's a big deal. You think about parts for their tractors, or even getting new tractors, and all, I mean the list. I mean literally every aspect of uh, of their world has been impacted. Even labor. You know, you know, attracting labor. Um, I bet you don't talk to a farmer that doesn't worry deeply about the situation.
2: Uh, farmers are very worried about it. Uh, and farmers have a tendency to, 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 to know about issues and to think about them and as such to worry about them before they get here. Farmers have been knowing what was coming for, you know, months now, nine, ten, eleven months. The Ukraine war added to those concerns uh, that they already had, whether it's workforce, parts, availability, uh, equipment. You know, we've been dealing with equipment shortages since uh, the pandemic, and they told us it would all be better by right now, June of 2022. Well, now they're telling us it's going to be 24 or 25. It's not getting addressed. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And uh, I think you're exactly right. We've got to get more resourceful. We've got to take the handcuffs off of innovators in this country and folks who have ability to manufacture and produce so we can do more uh, here at home domestically and uh, yes we will still have to depend on other products and other suppliers around the world but there's so much more we can do whether it's mining uh, mining is something in this country that's gone the way of the, uh, the the dodo bird it seems to be nearly extinct because of all the environmental regulations that have been put upon the industry to make it so hard uh mm-hmm. It's it's uh, it. I think it's a wake up call. It is a wake up call to policymakers. It's a wake up call to economists. And I know it's a wake up call to our families and consumers who are just putting groceries on the table and putting, uh, you know, trying to fill up the car with gasoline right now. It's we, we've got to have more domestic production, more domestic innovation and get the government out of the way.
1: You know, and, you know, sadly, sadly, and I had a long talk with, uh, on the air, actually, with uh, S- Speaker Gunn about this, but, and we won't get into it now, but, you know, what's, what's sad is that those farmers in the Greenwood region that use that grain bin that, that filed for bankruptcy, mm-hmm. that on top of everything else you and I are talking about, you know, the big guys have somehow made it work, the little guys are probably going to go out of business, but you got, I mean, how much more can farmers take, especially when you you know th- there are other variables that also impact them beyond everything you and I are talking about?
2: There, there's so much that uh, our farmers have been through. The express grain failure last year, the fraud that happened there, uh, that there is a little bit of good news right there. And that is that I actually had a meeting last week with a, a Mississippi native investor group that's buying those facilities. And they're going to get them up and running. Their plan is to have them up and running again for harvest season this year. So that's going to be the a, a, a market for our farmers that they need to have there another place and hopefully cut out some distance for trucking and hauling purposes. So uh, we're excited about that. But yeah, the the uncertainties of uh, the economy, I mean, look, I'm not a doom and gloom. I'm an optimist person. I, I, I love to see the bright side of things, but I think to see the, the real side of things is more important because with all these other issues looming, inflation, supply chain, workforce, I think anybody who knows anything about economy uh, sees uh, the potential of a real recession here on the horizon. So uh, all of that businesses are taking that into account right now. and They're processing that in their business decisions. And a lot of people are just hunkering down. And uh, not expanding. Uh, But uh, at the same time, there's a lot of money in this economy. People are spending money like crazy. So the question is, how long will that last? Regardless, farmers are going to get the job done and, and get the crop in the ground, get it harvested. Thank the Lord for our farmers.
1: I have read about this, and I have seen at least one case where this is real where foreign entities are starting to buy up agricultural land across the United States and in Mississippi. When we come back, I want to talk more about that. And we'll circle back on fertilizer as well. This is Andy Gibson. We'll see you after this break.
0: Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast
1: 103.1. Welcome back to uh, to uh, Coast View here on the Super Talk uh, Gulf Coast uh, channel and on your favorite podcast or YouTube or Facebook, however you're watching it. We appreciate you being here. I'm having, all, as always, a very insightful conversation with Andy Gibson, who's the Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner. Hey, when we went to break, I mentioned that Man, it's very alarming to see foreign companies, foreign countries like like China, for example, and Germany and others, buying up agricultural assets, land and other assets here in America. And I mean, what are farmers to do? They, you know, price of of some land, at least in Mississippi, four or five thousand dollars an acre, going for as high as seven or higher, and in other parts of the country, way more than that. Man, what do we do about that, Andy? That's that's very alarming trend.
2: It's, a, it's an alarming trend. It's a real trend, and it's really not new, but I think people are becoming more aware of it with this supply chain crisis and shortages. You take the pork shortage, which we've had now for a couple of years. Pork, pork uh, supplies have been diminished, and bacon's higher than it's ever been. Uh, hams were hard to come by at Easter. And the reason for that is simple. Uh, uh, About 10 years ago, the U.S. government approved China, a Chinese investment firm, to buy Smithfield Farms, the, the country's largest producer of pork. And when they did that, they took control of all those farms that are producing pork, and guess what? It's a shock, but they're more interested in looking out for China than they are the United States. That's the sort of thing that people are becoming more aware of and uh, foreign ownership of land in this country is higher than it's ever been. Uh, there was a, a bill or two this past legislative session to, to ban the foreign purchase of land uh, in Mississippi uh, to prevent you know, the loss of our farms. And as as great a risk as that is, there are also Americans who are buying up land. People like Bill Gates, who are against American agriculture, they want to stop farms or have fewer farms or Fewer traditional farms, and they're buying up land too. So uh, it's a real it's a real threat. Uh, our, our farmland is, in many ways, America's greatest strength because we are uh, the the breadbasket of the world. Ukraine is the breadbasket of Europe, and that's saying a lot. But we still have so much uh, prowess when it comes to producing our own food, our own fiber, our own. Raw materials. Uh, we got to preserve that at whatever cost.
1: Let's circle back on fertilizer for a second, because there, you know, for, for people who have not paid close attention to this, the supply chain is directly connected to Russia, and uh, it's very important. And actually, it's not just America who is impacted by this. But give give a little bit of a description of that tight connection.
2: Yeah, well, that region of the world. As I mentioned, uh, they are a a major producer of urea. Uh, Urea is a key component in fertilizers and and, uh, many other products, such as diesel exhaust fluid, which is now, since 2010, mandated to be in every diesel engine uh, component to keep that uh, vehicle running, thanks to the EPA. On top of that, uh, phosphates, uh, uh, potassium, a huge, uh, uh, one of the three main ingredients of of chemical fertilizers is mined and produced from that region of the world. And all of those products are being uh, impeded and not uh, made available to the world commerce by virtue of this Russia-Ukraine war. That has had a domino effect of other countries that do have those resources tightening their uh, exports down. So they're not shipping out as much. The same thing happened with wheat. Ukraine produces, I think, 30% globally of wheat. And when that resource was constrained due to the war, the nation of India decided they would not export any wheat. So that's a further complication to the supply chain. And it's, we're seeing it in grains. We're seeing it in fertilizer. And all of that is making prices increase. Uh, it's classic supply and demand. Less supply, equal or more demand than ever. And uh, prices are going up. And, you know, farmers have legitimately wondered. I've had farmers ask me this year, are we going to have enough fertilizer next year this, for, for next year's planting season? That's a legitimate question. we got to pull out all the stops, look at every available resource domestically and other markets around the world and, and get what we need. It's truly a, a security issue for the country. Food security is national security.
1: One of the, I mean, this is a small thing relative to what you're talking about, but in the food plots on my, you know, in my hunting endeavors, um, we do probably, I don't know, a couple of thousand dollars a year in fertilizer cost. Uh, you know, for a, fa- for a small family hunting operation, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of money. You add seeds to it and all the other things that we've got to do. Well, I mean, now we're talking about that being more like five or $6,000. I mean, that's getting real. <laughs> so we're having to figure out, okay, just just like you know, the farmers that were dealing with the rye planting and whether they are going to have enough fertilizer to do that, we're having to say, okay, where can we go and just, uh, and just cut it and have some clover come back that was there from last year and just make do? But those are the kind of decisions you have to make. It, the ripple effect of all of this is dramatic.
2: Yeah, you're going to see a lot more interest in cover crops and legumes that produce nitrogen and fix it in the soil. You're going to see a lot of interest in other alternatives because of uh, the, the increased costs. And we're talking, you know, right now, 179% fertilizer increase costs. What may it be next year? We all hope it's less, but we got to plan for the worst. I, I want to give you some quick numbers. These were astounding to me. This production of cost per acre, four different crops here. Let's start with peanuts. Mississippi is a big peanut producer, by the way, a lot lot in South Mississippi and in North Mississippi. Uh, Last year, uh, $58.04 per acre to produce peanuts. This year, it's $120.78. Soybeans, huge, huge delta uh, production all around the state. Last year, $44.50. This year, $92.59. Corn, $44.50 4450 last year 9276 this year and uh, cotton $54.41 last year $113.21 per acre this year that's real huge dramatic increases that are affecting every farmer in the state and in this country and, for and that and, matter, all over the world for that matter
1: and andy, uh, and andy also add to that what what's interesting is that people May not appreciate that farmers don't. Okay, so they go harvest. You know, they pay that at incredibly high cost to, to to get this crop, and then uh, they don't just go to the open market and see what the pricing is. They, in many cases, they've already locked in the pricing. So what's happening is they're locking in the pricing at a low in number, and their costs continue to rise, and they really don't have control over that, do they?
2: That's right. The farmers are about the only industry. Agriculture is the only industry where the farmers uh, have no control over their inputs, and then no control on the price that they earn as the commodity is produced. And it's it's you know the reality is costs are going up. Uh, grain grain prices are going up, but it's not enough to offset so much of this increased production costs that we're seeing. And we hadn't even started talking about chemicals. Uh, chemicals needed we. You've got to fight weeds. You, we, we, grow, we grow everything in Mississippi wonderfully well, including weeds. And so weeds uh, have got to be uh, managed. And those are costs that we had not even covered. Those are going up, too. It's, it's really, it's really a, a challenging time. It's an interesting time. But I think it's a test of resiliency. And my prediction is farmers are going to pass the test. We're going to get through this. Uh, we're going to continue to be the food producer of the world. We're going to provide our own food as a country and the uh, needs of the world as well. But uh, it looks like it's going to cost us more. And that's where we need relief on getting these federal policies out of the way so folks can get back to getting innovative and make business decisions to expand and do more domestic production wherever we can, whatever we can.
1: The science of farming—it's become so sophisticated, and how they fight weeds. You know, I've always—what's <clears throat> amazing to me, of course—I'm not—I'm not a farmer. I've been around farmers for a good long time now, and I'm amazed at how resilient they are. They—they. You never see most of them sweat and they deal with weather issues and and all and they're having to decide whether they're going to go out and irrigate or not and they have to decide when they're going to spray but what I've learned is just as a novice is if you don't tend to your weeds <laughs> nature has a way of taking over really rapidly I know that for a fact from experience so anyway when we come back we'll continue in the in the final segment of today's show with Andy Gibson we'll see you after this break
0: Can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast one hundred three point one on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say "Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast." This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast one hundred three point one.
1: Welcome back to Coastview. Having a terrific conversation with Andy Gibson, the Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner. And Andy, you can you know, I hope that the listeners get a great appreciation for the conversation that we're having and they can have a better understanding of why I really look forward for a few weeks to you and I connecting. Because, you know, if the rubber hits the road anywhere as it relates to the global situation, the pandemic, the the Ukraine, uh, the tragedy in Ukraine, it is in the area of responsibility you have. And, man, there's been probably, I, I use this often, but there's no, no rest for the weary in your world, is there?
2: No, there really hasn't been, but that's okay. I'd, I'd rather be busy than bored any day of the week. and. Uh... You know, Since the pandemic began, really, we've been focused on a lot of these supply chain issues. We saw that in 2020. Uh, we, we, as an agency, uh, put in place some, some programs that uh, were beneficial back then, but I think they're probably even more beneficial today. Uh, for example, we really just uh, created a website, Mississippi Farm Marketplace, msfarmmarketplace.com and the purpose of that uh, back when we had shortages in the grocery stores it was to connect consumers with local farms who had product to sell Uh, we had a huge influx of uh, farmers who signed up for that where folks could go buy directly from the farm uh, today we are relaunching that in in preparation for the harvest season produce is coming in Uh, but right now for example in south mississippi we've got Uh, Black Creek Farms in Picayune in Pearl River County, they've got prepackaged beef and pork and eggs for sale on the farm. Stonington Farm in Perkinston in Stone County, grass-fed beef, and Morgan Farms in Sumrall, Lamar County. And uh, uh, they also have uh, beef for custom slaughter. So what we've tried to do is remind folks that, you know, first of all, don't panic. We have food in Mississippi. If If you're not finding what you need at the store, you can go. You can go to the farm and you can buy it here. We're going to have a lot more farms signing up for that as we get into the, uh, as I mentioned, fruits and vegetables harvest season, produce as well. Uh, peas and butter beans are coming in. People can go buy direct from the farm. We've got a genuine Mississippi program. Everything grown, raised, crafted, and made in the Magnolia State. That's genuinems.com. We're really proud of that. That's it started as our marketing brand to to market our products. Uh, around the country and around the world, but it has become a source for folks to buy a product Mississippi-raised products. So, uh, got a lot of good members there: uh, Windsor Farms, Highsdale Chemical, Iside Chemical, Bluff Farm Supply, K&M Roses as horticulture and flowers, and dairy in Tylertown as well. So uh, we, we we love our local businesses. I think we have uh, uh, almost 300 members now who signed up. Anything you want to buy it's made in mississippi really go check it out genuine and uh, this year we're going to launch an online portal to buy online like you do from amazon uh, through genuine mississippi you can buy and have it shipped to your home uh percent mississippi products and then we want to really focus right now on our farmers markets Uh, along the coast and all across mississippi but especially on the coast you've got some of the longest uh, running farmers markets in the state. They open up earlier than anybody else. They stay open longer than anybody else. And uh, you can visit those farmers markets and buy fresh. We have certified farmers markets where we know those products are uh, Mississippi raised. And so there's no healthier way to eat uh, than to buy locally. And there's no more uh, secure source of our food than local farmers markets and We encourage folks to go shopping there. And then most recently, uh, we launched a new initiative to enhance meat processing capacity in the state. Uh, At the onset of the pandemic, we only had four USDA processors. That is qualified to process beef and pork of the meat. Uh, We have uh, tripled that, and we have several that have just opened up. Uh, We have, uh, uh, for example, uh, the uh, Cutting Edge, uh, there in uh, leaksville open in November. We have a cut above processing in Hancock County that's opening up uh, right now. Homestead Farm and Packing in Loosedale has been in operation. They've expanded through this program and another poultry plant in uh, Pearl River County. So, all of that said, uh, we're doing everything we can as a state agency to help make sure we have food resiliency, not only food resources, but the processing of those resources so we have food supply for our people uh, no matter what that's that's the vision
1: and how's your how's your team holding up in the in the midst of all these challenges
2: uh, our team is a fantastic i would say it's the best team in any state agency i put them up against any other agency in the state of mississippi uh, or anywhere in the country for that matter our team has been focused like a laser we have uh, weekly yeah. and monthly meetings talking about these priorities. What are we doing on local food issues? What are we doing on supply chain issues? Uh, I, our team is writing letters to Congress and to the administration urging repeal and withdrawal of some of these regulations that we've talked about. Uh, we have a well oiled machine. Uh, you know, there have been times that the fatigue has set in, and I think. Uh, as we came out of the pandemic, we were just feeling some relief. And then this supply chain uh, problem came on us. But we're not complaining. We're doing uh, the work that the people of Mississippi hired us to do. And we're excited about it. And we believe, I believe, uh, I'm here at this time for this reason. And uh, our team feels the same way about it. And we're very honored to serve the people of the state, uh, not only in the good times, but in the tough times as well.
1: You said you're here in this time, and I mentioned it at the very beginning, that really, I mean, think about it, as a, as a farmer, a lawyer, a minister, you've had state government experience as an elected official. You, you you do seem like the right guy for the moment in this moment, don't you? I mean, and look, we got less than a minute left, but I just wanted to, to make that point and accentuate that point.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I enjoy the work I'm doing. I appreciate the people of Mississippi electing me to serve in this role i intend to run for re-election uh in in the next year and uh you know this 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 pandemic and the supply chain repercussions are still going to be dealing with those but uh, we're going to get through it and uh We'll make uh, lemonade out of these lemons, and Mississippi will be better off as a result of some of these local food initiatives that we're putting in place. I really believe well,
1: Good, that. good, good luck to you in that, because the, fra- the fact is we need continuity and leadership, especially during difficult times. It's been a pleasure. This has been Andy Gibson, Mississippi Agriculture and Commerce Commissioner. Have a great day, Andy, and we'll uh, we'll see you soon.
0: You too. Thank you very much. Y'all have a you good day.